Hello and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. Today I have my very good friend Nick Hayden, CEO and founder of Sport Biz Group, also the program director at Manhattan Sports Business Academy and host of the Sports Biz Podcast. Uh, Nick is an, a very good friend of mine. Uh, I've known him for a little while now. We networked. Uh, we network a lot. I go to all of his events as you hear about in the show good dude knows what he's doing it is really i'm very grateful i mean i knew a lot of the stuff that went on in the show i, I learned some new information as well which is always cool too so i hope you guys enjoy this conversation i have with nick hayden Today, very good friend of mine, Nick Hayden, CEO and founder of Sport Biz Group, program director at Manhattan Sports Business Academy, host of the Sports Biz Pod. Nick, what's up, buddy? Michael, how are we doing? It's a good day to be alive, man. It's a weird day to be alive, but it's a good one. It's a great day. It's been a crazy week, but we're here, we're live, we're breathing, and yep. we're, still t- we're still working in sports. We're talking about sports. We just got to adapt. Exactly. It's it's fun. It's interesting. It um I mean the 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 worst part is today was the second day of two of the best sports days of the year that was taken away from us, which is unfortunate. But the, these first two days of March Madness, you don't have to do any work. You just watch what is it, thirty something basketball games in the span of like forty eight hours. There's nothing like it, man. We'll see how it how we come out on the other side of it, and and who knows how long this will go, but. It's disrupted, you know, the Masters, which is, in my opinion, kicks off the spring. Mm-hmm. When the Masters happens, that means it's springtime sports. And that's, like, my opinion, the best time. The Kentucky Derby, March Madness, Baseball, all the stuff. Madness, yep. So we'll see how we, we prevail. We're going to come out of this even stronger. I'm really optimistic. It's going to be a hard time for the who, whoever knows long how, how long it will last. But at the end of it, we're going to come out stronger and smarter and, and then – won't let this thing kind of things happen again so exactly and we keep crushing it and yeah just that you know along the master's notes just listen to jim nance just say hello friends it's i'm gonna miss yes. that i'm gonna miss that a lot especially when he does it in his golf voice not his basketball voice but that's fine uh, we'll, we'll figure it out i got i have all these um i wish i could i could probably pull one off but i have all these uh, I've, I've been to the masters three times mm-hmm. um actually i have this so i'll have some memorabilia we'll show you right here but tiger woods little card right Ooh. here um this masters um deck of cards exclusive right there got pins i have so much memorabilia i've been worked the tournament three years but um you know it's i was looking forward to going back this year um but then they sent me a text saying hey everything's canceled but uh mm. <laughs> yeah but we grind on and we move forward and we figure out a way to fill that void and uh i think this is this week of the first week of the quarantine i think you are my like 12th or 13th podcast but like four more scheduled for the next two days so we're grinding man we're just get, we're getting that content and we're pumping it the hell out so let's keep I it rolling keep so up with you i i did i only did two podcasts this week Jeez. oh buddy like what have you been no no i'm not gonna ask who you <laughs> fill your time with i know you're a busy guy and we're gonna get to that in a minute but the first question i usually ask people on for the love of sports is why do you love sports so much nick i love sports because you know, there's so many industries like you could choose to work in. Sometimes you can make some more money. But if you look at sports, 
there's nothing like it that that brings people together and we're in a weird spot because that's what sports does it distracts people and it brings people together from the outside world and we're feeling we're we're feeling weird because we're out of our equilibrium where we don't have sports we can't get distracted we don't have that entertainment but out of everything that you could sell everything that you could be a part of sports brings an emotion out of people that you cannot get out of any other product or service or entertainment and the reason that's the reason why I got into it is just because there's nothing that you can compare. There's nothing that, you know, will bring people together and get someone to yell and scream and cry and laugh all in 30 seconds because of a crazy buzzer beater basket, you know? So that's why I got into it is just the emotion and how it can make the world happier, bring people together. And there's obviously a lot of lucrative opportunities in there as well so exactly right it's something you can love you can emotion next to religion and politics i'd put sports right up there with the three of them um and you know it's just one of those things where you can as you said you can make a lot of money doing it like it's an industry you know it's not just like a a game that you watch on tv it is a hundred percent an industry and there's so much that you can do within it you could be an accountant you know, why not be an accountant for the Mets rather than some accountant for Deloitte, right? Like I just, I find that so much more interesting. There's so many other opportunities. Um, So it's always just been something that I've, I've really enjoyed. And I know you have as well, since your days at at, uh, the fake USC's uh, South Carolina, uh, (laughs) some of your experiences that you've done there. I know, I remember, you know, when you and I first met, you told me that you kind of organized a lot of those uh, events um, that you're doing now, obviously here in New York, but also down there. So tell me a little bit about your experience, I guess, down at South Carolina and, and how you kind of got into the sports industry. Absolutely. So the real University of South Carolina, right? Um, well, it's the it's, real uh, University of South Carolina. It's the fake USC. I apologize. Okay. 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 Well, well, different podcasts, I guess, but um, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I, I went to University of South Carolina, a few, few main reasons, um, you know, great weather, SEC football. It's a fun time. And they have one of the top rated sports management programs, sports entertainment management, which was the major. So um, when I was there, uh, they open up a lot of opportunities to kind of let you do internships. There's two internships that they require you to to do. And they also have a partnership with the Masters uh, golf tournament. So I was able to work that for three years and alongside a lot of other University of South Carolina students. But um, yeah, from, from what I was doing at University of South Carolina, I was really busy. Um, I was always working a full-time job, sometimes in hospitality, sometimes with the basketball arena. Um, I started a, a company when I was there called Fan Plan, which was a travel agency for sports fans. So um, I was pretty much working full-time the whole time. I, I worked at the basketball arena. I was the president of the entrepreneurship club. Um, uh, worked for this venture capital firm as well, just trying to get myself into as many rooms and meet as many people and push myself and take as many risks. Because if you fail in college, it's really, there's really no um, downside, like fail as much as you can. And then that's how you really learn um, faster, in my opinion, than even in the classroom. So um, yeah, I mean, we can dive a little bit more onto it, but yeah, what I was doing at University of South Carolina was testing ideas, putting on events, um, trying to start a company, trying to build teams, trying to launch apps, uh, working, just getting into as many different environments and talking to as many people. So that now I'm in New York city when, you know, um, there's a little bit more resources, there's a little bit more risk at stake. I feel a little more comfortable, uh, with what I'm doing and I've done a lot of it. It's just at a higher scale and a little bit more on the line. So. 
That's awesome, man. Yeah, I mean, that's the one. That was the cool thing about college. Like, there was there was a lot of risk, but really, there was no. Um, there was a lot of reward, but very rarely Whoa. there was risk. Like, you know, you're not gonna, you know, go bankrupt in college. Like, I mean, obviously, I'm sure people have, but, um, you know, my experience was definitely you'll end up being fine. The uh, the responsibility and ramifications are a lot lower. So, I, I honestly did not know that you had you did all of that at South Carolina. Um, I did not know you started your own company there. I didn't a travel agency for sports fans. That's an incredible idea. Why'd you stop doing that? So, so, um. I appreciate that. Um, the The reason why I started and the reason why I start pretty much every business is how do I uh, find opportunities to do what I love? So like, I love sports. I love travel. I love entertainment. How do I start a company that, you know, in the early days, it's probably going to suck. You're not going to make a lot of money. It might not be always fun, um, but working to that goal of whenever it, it, it hits or it flips, that um, it's a lifestyle and it's fun and it doesn't feel like work and I get to do it every day. So that's always my intent. And that's why I started that fan plan. And what I was trying to do is be a concierge to plan tickets, travel, lodging for fans. So I tried various different demographics, whether it's um, college students going to a away football game or college football uh, fans and their wealthier alumni traveling from one city to go watch the, the bowl game or the college football championship and tried different areas attack then tried you know a tech route so i attempted all these different things and um i got to a point where i kept hitting a wall i was still in south carolina i pursued it uh full time right out of the gates it was not in a position to be doing that but i figured i just give it a shot um was actually able to get school credit to pursue it for my final internship so i was doing that full time in the spring semester um, of 2018 so i was full time working on fan plan full time running the entrepreneurship club and then full full like it was all full-time kind of mixing mm-hmm. and helping each other working with this venture capital firm so the reason why i stopped doing it was because i kind of hit a wall and um i felt like that when i was for me to take that to market i needed to be in a different environment so it was natural for me to move to new york city and when i was in new york city i, I wanted to kind of figure out a way to make that work but i felt like i needed to try a different route which was sports biz group and we can talk a little bit more about that but what's interesting now looking at back on fan plan is that now what i've built with sports biz group i'm actually have a high probability of actually relaunching that product Mm -hmm. uh, that project and it's going to be there's some new ideas i don't want to talk too much about but there's some new like very innovative ways i think i can take that back to market but now i have the foundation resources connections so it was a business that I still am passionate about bringing back to life, but um, something I tried really worked really hard on for two years. Um, tried it, you know, pretty much was working on it all the time. Mm-hmm. Even when I was in class and outside of school, always thinking about it, just entrenched into it. Wasn't able, you know, had some success, had a lot of failures, um, some really hard learning experiences, mm-hmm. which was able to kind of make me stronger to overcome a lot of problems I face now. So, you know, um, I temporarily paused it because I needed to reset, refresh. And then now, you know, being almost two years uh, from working on sports biz group, now I feel like I, I'm inclined to even able to take that back to market. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it's a really cool idea. And there's a lot of people that, you know, you kind of see just as an example, like uh, Bill Burr, he just goes to, he's, I don't, I don't know if he has a specific college football team he's a fan of, but he just loves college football. So he literally just goes to any game he can. And I mean, like, he's just more upfront and, and in the face about it, but I'm sure there's a lot of people 
that do stuff like that. Um, you know, I would a hundred percent do stuff like that if I had the opportunity and the, and the resources to do it. And I mean, yeah. Marlins, man, get Marlins manager ambassador. I think you'd be, uh, you, that's, you'd, you'd be successful there. Yeah. That's a, that was something we were initially kind of targeting for, you know, it's all about figuring your demographic, who you're serving. Um, we tried all different areas where it was like, at least where I was in school, I was able to access alumni of university. So we did a campaign, pretty much contacted every single major university and their alumni and then contacted college students. But for the, someone like the Marlins man, um, or Bill Burr, they're at the higher escalon. They're very highly curated. It would probably be like, you get five of those clients and you are attentive to them rather than the masses. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we tried all different approaches, but um, yeah, I think um, the approach now would be after kind of learning all that, like what's work, how do you approach that? How do you service it? How do you make margins? It's super competitive. There's tons of companies doing it. So after seeing the marketplace, seeing what I was trying to offer, it didn't, it didn't line up there. You know, there's so many companies, especially looking at like Super Bowl, you have like the prime sports or the NFL on locations. They already have inventory for tickets and hotels and travel years in advance. So you can't really beat them on price. And they also have tons of staffing. So it's like beating them on service is difficult. So it's like, you know, trying to not necessarily compete with them, but figure out how you kind of fit into the ecosystem and be a value value add. So we've discovered that we had some really hard learnings, but, but now like if we relaunch it, um, especially going to Super Bowl this year, you know, I could have actually, in a sense, seen myself almost relaunching it there just on the spot at Super Bowl because of the connections I was able to facilitate through exclusive events or getting tickets or certain meet and greets. It made sense to even launch it. So hopefully this year, I'm going to bring that back. We'll see. Just being patient. Got my fingers crossed for you, brother. I think that's a cool idea. And glad we got to chat about that. Because, yeah, I did not realize that you had that you worked on something like that for two years. I mean, that's you probably got pretty deep into that. And, uh, yeah, dropping, dropping a couple names uh, like that. That's, that's pretty darn cool, man. And, yeah, so I know yeah. you did come to New York City. Uh, it sounds like FanPlan was a part of it. I know you were part of uh, FanDuel for a minute as well. Um, mm. Obviously, as you, you know, you, time at FanDuel, it was seasonal, if I'm not mistaken. So you didn't stay there mm. forever, obviously. FanPlan, as you said, it kind of – um ended as well so you stuck around new york city kind of without a job for a little bit and i know you started the sports biz group but ask any entrepreneur how much money do you make in those first couple months and if they say more than like a couple thousand dollars they're lying to you in my opinion yeah or they just had an incredible idea or you know obviously but um you know and i think you know i'm always curious you and i met I don't know, man, like a year and a half ago now, probably at this point, And it was at networking. And, you know, that's one thing that you've been bringing up through, you know, the 15, 20 minutes we've been talking so far is you always wanted to get in front of a lot of people and network and do a lot of things. So before we get into sports biz group, which is, has a huge community aspect and networking aspect to it, what is it about networking? And, and I guess at what point did you find out like, this is how I'm going to get to where I need to go? Mm -hmm. Yeah, networking is uh, crucial. I felt um, you know, there wasn't necessarily an aha moment, but, you know, just consuming, reading, consuming content of like leaders, you know, of, you know, Elon Musk, Mark Cubans, uh, Bill Gates, just people that are changing the game. And just like from a younger age, reading those books, consuming those content, everyone always preaches about the network aspect of it. And it's not necessarily what you know, it's um, who knows what you know, or who you know. And, um, from that aspect, it was like clicked pretty early on, especially like growing up, you know, grew up kind of lower middle class, you know, my parents, uh, they don't even work in sports. They, they're kind of doing, uh, 
work that helps the community and not uh, nonprofit work and, and things like that. But from the aspect of it, very early on that I, I recognized that the only way for me to kind of get where I want to be and, and, and achieve wealth and success and relationships um, that I had to like work my ass off and, and network and get in front of the right people and build genuine, genuine relationships. So that's always been a, a backbone of it. And especially with sports, it's so tight knit where between, um, you know, anyone in the world, uh, anyone, any industry, there's at least six connections between you. So someone in any part of the world, there is, you know, I have to talk to you that talks to them and then that's all it is. So having that kind of mindset of like, okay, cool. And then even in sports, it shrinks down. So there's probably, I feel confident that between me and anybody in the sports industry, high level executive, there's at least two degrees. I think I talk to this person and that person and I'm, and I'm there. So getting to that point where it's like you're building genuine relationships, you're genuinely trying to help them and networking. Like I could talk for hours about it and just tactics I've used, but just being in getting yourself into as many rooms as possible that are a little bit harder to get and don't stop at like the first objection of like, Oh, you don't have a ticket or you don't have this or you can't afford it. Or there's always a way to get into the room. You just gotta be scrappy. Sometimes you got to barter, just be smart. So networking is like every, that's everything I've been able to do. And that's probably my superpower. So, yeah, no, I love it. That's what I love about you. I mean, you've, you've gotten me into a couple events where, you know, you end up, Oh, Hey, do you want to be a volunteer? Cause if you're a volunteer for your event, you have to work half the time and then you get to network the other half of the time. It's like, what is it? $1,000 ticket. Yeah. I would love to just work for half the time and get at least $500 worth of value, which it ends up being significantly more when you start talking to some of the people. And, and I totally agree with you. I mean, you're meeting the Wayne Kimmels of the world, the David Meltzer's of the world. I'm sure you are only about two degrees from just about everybody in the sports community at that point, which I love. And, and so, as you said, you're not going to tell us everything, but what is one thing that you found when networking? Like, what's like the number one thing you could kind of help somebody else with, I guess. Does that question make sense? Like what's your number yes. one strategy mm-hmm. or your number one piece? Yeah. Of so, um, you know, the, the, the whole process of getting it in the room, like that's, that's separate, right? So let's assume that like you, you have to be able to be scrappy, gritty, do whatever it takes to get into the room. That's just the first part. Once you're in there, be more interested than you are interesting. So try to talk to as many people and ask some questions and like, you know, I'll go into a room and just like people might not know me. Some people might know me, but I'm asking them questions and like, like, yo, Michael, where are you from? What do you do? What, what got you into this? And just be that person of like, hey, like really interested in them. Invert it, it naturally makes you yourself look much more interesting. And I probably have some crazy stories that they were like, oh, wait, well, what, what's your story? And you kind of flip it on them. But when you're in the room, be more interested than you are interesting and try to, you know, try to get to know the whole room. By the end of the night, like you're going to pull, you know, if you can pull one solid connection out of that, then that's like a win in my opinion, or pull one gold nugget of a lesson learned or panel, whatever, whatever you consume. But if you can get like one, at least just one power connection that will like, all right, cool. This could lead to some places. That's the key, but just be more interested than you are interesting. Try to get to know the whole room. And, um, I felt, I found from that tactic that, um, people start referring you know, people to me. So I'll go in there and I'll make like strong five connections. I'll impress them. I'll make them laugh, whatever it is, get to know them. Then they're really impressed. And once they float around the other room, they're like, you got to talk to Nick. So it's like flipping it where it's like you, you kind of control the room in a sense, but you don't need to be super alpha control. It just happens naturally. But that's what I see as a win. When you, when you get into the room, you're, you're interest, more interested, 
in them, then, you know, you are, oh, I'm talking about myself. And then the room works for you and people are, are sending your way. Like, you got to go talk to them. So that's been my approach. Completely agree, man. And I think that's, uh, that's actually how we got connected. I think you talked to somebody and then I was talking to somebody and they said, hey, you should talk to Nick. And I was just like, all right, cool. I'll talk to Nick. Sounds good. Um, and this was only, you know, I think you and I met, as I said, about like 18 months ago-ish now. So it was mm-hmm. like right after, I'm pretty sure you launched Sports Biz Group, if I'm not mistaken. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, let's, I mean, thank you for that advice. It's always great. And I hope more people do take advantage of it. Um, I found it's funny when I run into people that are trying to do the same thing as me, though. We're kind of just asking questions back and forth until we both realize like all right i think we're both know what we're trying to do here let's let's take a step back you know look at this situation it's kind of funny but uh it's it's always yeah. it's always fun that way yeah and, and um you know especially with uh with events it's like sometimes you just got to go solo like don't be afraid of just like getting in rooms where you don't know anybody and it takes time and i've been able to kind of build this skill set of like I, I'm at my best when there's uncertainty, there's constantly changing. Um, now it's like, it's been really cool to see where it's like a lot of times I go to an event and there's always somebody that has either um, been to one of my events or seen something. And then it's like easier to like connect with people and you feel more comfortable or you're like, I probably know somebody at some degree. So um, it gets easier once you kind of build that foundation, but um, yeah, you just gotta be relentless and, and uh, be nice to people. Completely agree. Pretty easy to be nice to people too, in my opinion. So uh, I do love that. And you're totally right. Like someone's probably been at one of your events or you've been, as you said, one or two degrees away at this point, which is pretty great. So mm-hmm. let's talk about your events. Um, again, you and I met um, right after you created Sports Biz Group, which I'm a huge fan of it. And I, I, one thing I want to talk about is obviously the creation of it, what you did, and then also the iterations of it. You know, it's kind of grown, it's evolved over the last, you know, 18 months or whatever it's been at this point. Um, in the beginning, I thoroughly enjoyed it because it was like a very community-based, um, you know, just the Slack group. I'm in there all the time still. And now, you know, we, we're out here and it's a full-service creative sports and entertainment agency. So obviously it's grown, but let, tell me about that first day when you're like, I think this is probably an idea I want to pursue. Yeah. So um, what I've found is that with sports, it's so competitive, right? On the field, you see football players, you know, hitting each other and it's entertainment and that's what drives the, the you know, ecosystem. So it's super competitive on and off the field for jobs, for attention, for money, everything. It's super competitive. So how do we shift it where it's, let's be collaborative. Um, let's, you know, their players, you know, they can hit each other on the field, but what if they work on a business deal together or collaborate on a philanthropy outside of the field or same thing with the front office or, um, you know, the working in, in the business side of it, how do we collaborate? Even if they're on a rival team, how do we share back best practices and, and, and share ideas and, and look at it from that standpoint. So, um, breaking into sports is difficult. Um, there's an abundance of jobs, there's abundance of resources. People don't necessarily know how to collaborate or kind of shift that, that mindset. Um, so that was the whole reason for starting it. And, and I didn't, I had, I wouldn't say it had any issues, but I was good at getting myself in front of the right people. I could, pro, I could get a lot of different jobs, but I'm more entrepreneurial and I like to build. And if I work for companies, it's gotta be a certain type of partnership in a way. So that was the whole reason for starting it is to help drive collaboration and innovation. And, and that all started from like an online community as simple as just starting, especially with starting a business, you got to have small wins. So it's just like, cool, we're going to start a community on Slack 
it cost zero money to do that. And I found a group of like hundred people that were all like very community minded, community minded and put them in the group and they're like, Hey, share news, share jobs, um, connect with each other. And it was more, uh, an accessible way for people to do that. And then it kind of grew organically. And, um, you know, where we are now is like the Slack group is still active. Um, my attention is getting pulled in other directions and I'm still checking it, still posting, but, um, you know, just trying to provide a more valuable, uh, proposition for people to kind of engage with the community. So that's what like, you know, that's kind of what we're building to among a lot of other things. How many people are in the Slack group now out of curiosity? There's a little over a thousand. Um, I've been kind of, uh, hesitant, like we could be much higher, but, it, you also want a tight nip, like mm-hmm. you were in there from the early days and very tight knit. And then, you know, it's still kind of lost. Maybe, you know, people might've lost their attention a bit. So I'm trying to evaluate, but we have people almost every continent, um, senior level athlete, investor, just a mix of people. And there's still people just getting added. So it's organic and, um, I'm still dedicating time to check and curate. And, and, uh, what's great about Slack is you can automate a lot of things. So for example, one of these resources that we provided is uh, an event calendar. So uh, you, you subscribe to that. Um, but in Slack every Monday at 10 AM, um, it, it, it's connected to our Google calendar that we act, we update all the time. Unfortunately, there's no events right now with the coronavirus, but every week, every Monday morning, here are all the events and we send that in a newsletter too. So, um, it's all about like, cool, you build a community, but then what are some additional resources? Sometimes, you know, a lot of them are free um, that we can use to, to help people. And then, you know, we're focused more on just building the foundation, helping as many people genuinely, not necessarily asking, being transactional. Um, and then, you know, once it's time to, you know, flip a product or have a subscription or something that's like a value add, we already provide so much value, free value. And then the, the premium value that will, you know, a subscription or whatever it is, is going to be so ridiculous that we're hoping to, over deliver with whatever you know the price and product that we we finally launched so yeah it's it, again it's what really um i mean again just going back to the networking right like it's just another place for everyone in the sports industry to network i've met so many cool people in there i've introduced a lot of people to the slack group as well and i know that they have seen some incredible connections and successes and relationships and partnerships and deals i mean i always think that yeah. obviously we're all trying to make money too right so i just it was my favorite thing um about what you guys are doing and now i love how you you created this community and now as you said they're on all different continents i literally talked have talked to people in india and um england and you know just having these conversations to see what these people are doing because that's the one thing and that's why i love you know having this podcast and, and being able to just share all these different jobs and again we're talking about the sports industry but you can do anything in the sports industry so if you can tie it back to the emotion that you love so much and still be an accountant still be a financial advisor maybe for the athletes be a lawyer okay maybe you're an agent there's so many different things you can do in the sports industry and i love how you've brought in brought in <laughs> that's english you've brought so many people together to help them just facilitate more conversation and more relationships it's, it's uh, it was my favorite thing once i found out about it i love it i probably say i go in there three or four times a week i'll pop it in i'll see who's introducing themselves and see who's doing what and how they're doing it Uh, i have conversations all the time with people just because i want to learn more because as you said a it's a small community the the sports community in general because you never know who knows who Um, but at the same time everybody's got a story everybody has a good idea and i just want to hear about it because maybe it'll influence what i'm doing a little bit and help me Mm -hmm. figure out um you know how to ride this wave a little bit more so and I love how, again, so it was community-based. You had this Slack group and 
the next thing that I noticed you guys do a lot more of were these events. So like where, where, where along the line were you like, all right, cool. We have this community. Everything's cool. Now I want to build in these events and now I want to start doing more to not just make it online, but now this is an in-person opportunity as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, ever since I moved to New York, I was like, how do I do event? Like, cause I, I, I kind of get a rush where it's like for putting on events, what goes into it, it's anxiety building up. Will people show up? Are you going to be sponsors? Like I kind of live for that. And, um, you know, at the University of South Carolina, I put on so many events with the Entrepreneurship Club, um, big tech conferences or, you know, a curated event, like, you know, a speaker series with entrepreneurs. So I knew that I could put on events, but it, it took me longer than I expected where I had, I built a pretty good foundation of, you know, venues, uh, attendees, things like that to like put on an event. Um, the problem that I have is like, whenever I do an event, it's got to be a little bit extra. I can't just be, all right, it's just a normal event. So when I go and do an event, I, I put so much into it that it's, um, it, it can't just be like a normal event. Like I, we might get into more casual, like small happy hours that take very little to plan, but there's gotta be something different. I don't want to do just an event that can be matched. You know, there's so many events to choose from in New York. So how do you provide something that's unique, different, fun, engaging, you know, a little bit edgy, maybe just something that catches people's attention. So right from my new move to New York, I always knew that I was like, all right, when am I going to do an event? I was like, kind of like, scratching myself like all right i need to get my kind of fix of like putting on these events so um so then we started doing that and we had the audience to promote it and um one of the first events we did was uh this summer june june in in uh 2019 i think you were you at that event at we work i was at it so yeah, that oh, was it. the one where everyone wasn't allowed in. Yep. Yeah. So that was a failure in a way. So we learned a lot from that. But, I got um, in early. It was great. I met so many cool people there. It's just no one, no one really knew what was going on. And it turns out so many people were turned away at the door. It kind of stunk. Yeah. So, so that was like a tough moment where it was like, I didn't deliver um, what, what I was, you know, kind of like presenting where uh, with the, the venue, it was like a very large venue in Midtown, nice sky view like view we had uh beers donated we had a few sponsors come in so it was like open bar it was good good value um they were only allowing 75 people um, in the space it could fit a lot more but we were respecting that um during the day of we ended up having a list of like 200 plus people on it um it was also pouring down rain on a tuesday night so we were like people will flake um ended up like almost 200 people did show up uh, we thought there was going to be a little more flexibility with how many we could fit up there. Uh, security got a little bit mad because we had like 100 people in the lobby. Um, so, you know, it, it was a learning experience. Um, I did everything in my power to um, make it right for the people that either paid or, you know, they, they weren't happy. So what we did um, to kind of just like think on our toes is, you know, the people upstairs, it was good networking, open bar. Um downstairs we had to kind of think quickly all right how do we can we move people upstairs so we were trying every different angle wasn't working security almost called like the fire department on us so um what we did was um you know went down there in the lobby i was like kind of panicked a little bit but i was like hey listen if you bought a ticket i'll give you a refund what we're gonna do we called the bar next door um i threw down a a bar tab. Um, so I was like, have at it. Um, I apologize about this. We can go to the bar next door, do my best to make, make do of it. So refund, let's move over here. The people that were upstairs, they ended up going downstairs to the, the bar next door. So, um, you know, it wasn't perfect, but we did everything we could to, um, to, to make it right for people. I'm sure that there were people that were upset and, 
Um, that's kind of like disappointing as an entrepreneur. You never want to, uh, you know, disappoint you know, disappoint somebody, but I think it actually really helped us a lot to set up for these other events because it kind of created this mentality of like, Oh, I couldn't get in and people in the lobby, it was like a really nice aesthetics in the lobby. So people were like, what's going on up there? Why can I get in? And, um, they were thinking about like what was there, but they, they will never know. So, um, you know, wasn't intentional, but mm-hmm. it kind of created that mentality yeah. of like, okay, like, shoot, I need to get there earlier. Like once the next event, or some people might've been really pissed. Like I'm never going to the event again. And, Hopefully I can make up to them. Maybe they'll see what we're doing and we can win them back. But um, yeah, so that kind of created the mindset of like, it was kind of like a nightclub mentality. We're waiting in line, like mm-hmm. what's inside? I, I don't know. It's tough to get in. It wasn't intentional, but that kind of how it happened. So then the next event we did, it was already like we sent out one email and it pretty much like booked everything up uh, mm-hmm. very quickly. So um, it was a blessing in disguise. Um, learned a lot. I was going through a lot of different things with this other like failed startup that I got kind of sucked into. So it was like very difficult, low point in my life, just back against the wall. Um, we're kind of talking about this, like, I, you know, being an entrepreneur, doing this full time, like sometimes like the past two years, I don't know how I even survived in some cases just, you know, but um, yeah. So that was kind of like the first event and then that set it up to doing a lot more events and then we helped promote um, other people, it's like, we, we're, we're an open book. Like if you're putting on an event, send it our way. We can promote it in our newsletter event calendar. Maybe we can collaborate. We'll, I'll moderate a panel, produce content. There's so many ways. So that was like the first event that we did, but it was always since moving to New York, um, you know, how do I do events? And then, yeah. you know, we're kind of building on top of it. The goal of yours. And yeah, man, I always love your events. And, and I mean, I, I was, I was one of the lucky ones. I got in early coming from out of, uh, out of state, out of, out of the city. I, I always like to get places a little bit early because can't hurt to be mm-hmm. somewhere 10 minutes early. Cause you wait, big deal. Um, so I, I remember I got there early and that event was awesome. The people I got to talk to the, 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 the places, the, it was a beautiful, WeWork work as well, which was kind of cool. So that was really nice. But yeah, I do remember you kind of standing up. You're just like, hey, guys, like, turns out there's like 100 plus people in the lobby downstairs. We're going to go to the bar next door. And I was like, okay, cool. Sounds good. That was easy. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, just, just getting to be able to meet more people. And as you said, yeah, kind of that nightclub mentality. Like, I'm sure if you've seen Parks and Rec, you know, like, don't let anyone in for the first two weeks kind of thing, just to kind of get yeah. the the mystery kind of rolling and uh yeah man i mean i've loved pretty much every event that you guys have put on there's the esport event that was awesome where you guys created your own shoe essentially um you know the all the events at the 4040 club but some of these athlete panels uh you know tied up with uh pete peter at, at sport tech ventures with alicia and, and michelle over at champions for philanthropy and working with other um just groups to kind of just th- there's a really good group of people in New York city that you have curated that they have curated and be able to kind of put them in this community and just see what happens. And I love all of them. And and it's so much fun to get to see what you guys, all of you guys are doing and specifically what you're doing. I always, I've always thoroughly enjoyed. So yeah, maybe that first one wasn't perfect, but as you said, it taught you a lot. It gave you an idea of what to do. Um, and moving forward, I mean, you guys have crushed every event since then. If I mean, I can't think of anything bad that happened in any of them unless you, you, you know, but you're on the inside. So yeah no i appreciate that i mean yeah with events that's kind of like like i told you like the thrill of like there's so many variables where that didn't feel good but at the end of the day i still got a lot of positive feedback negative feedback you know it's all being genuine so it's like my intentions were always there for the right reason i believe so if some people didn't weren't about it maybe they weren't even meant to be in the place in the room in the first place but um yeah i mean from that event we kind of took a little bit of a hiatus um, from events to kind of like step back. 
Um, I think the next event we did was at the 4040 Club. So we started this um, event series called The Athlete Platform, which was like interesting brand that kind of just came to us like, oh, wait, let's do that. And we were able to kind of build off uh, that brand, but essentially empowering athletes to share compelling stories about what it's like in the league, transitioning out of the league, what they're working on in business, philanthropy, social impact. So, um, you know, think of like the, the conversations and contact that you get from the boardroom or uninterrupted. Um, you know, we look up to them and admire what they're doing and the people they're able to get. So we were trying to like get that authenticity of that conversation, but do it in a live event format. Mm -hmm. So um, the 4040 Club was a great venue um, for that. You know, maybe not the best like sound technology, all that. There's so many things that we can always improve on, but good sports vibe in, uh, you know, it's the Jay-Z's sports yeah. bar. So we had some really good um, athletes like Brian Westbrook, Keith Bullock, Walter Powell Jr., Josh Martin, David Meltzer, um, Tony Richardson, uh, Hakeem Valles, Chris Dickerson. So we've had like a lot of really, you know, NFL, MLB um, athletes that have, you know, I think we, we added it all up from all the events we've done. We've had about 65, at least 65 years of uh, professional sports experience that, you know, these athletes have been playing. So, um, it's all about just building that network. We're figuring out uh, the best way to kind of take these events to the next level. We have the best, you know, we're, we're figuring out ways to monetize on them the right ways. Uh, but we built a strong foundation of these case studies and testimonials of these events that now we're, you know, we were going to do an event um, this month. Uh, we were planning a music and sports mixer, had some big brands lined up, big partnerships lined up. Obviously all this coronavirus, we're just taking it as it goes and um, making sure everyone's staying safe. But the, the events that we were continuing to build off of very experiential content driven storytell driven. So um, once it gets back to normal, we're, he we're heavily involved with events and events are essentially legal or banned from you know, everywhere in the world. So we're figuring out ways to stay innovative and do digital or online events um, as we pretty much live stream. Almost all of our events are live streamed. So we've been, you know, something that we're used to and we're figuring out ways to be innovative and, and um, you know, capture this opportunity to bring the sports, you know, community together, you know, maybe through an online event or some other innovative way, um, since a lot of this is halted with the coronavirus. Exactly. It's, it's unfortunate. But again, as we talked about in the beginning, um, you know, this is what this is where the smartest people come out cream rises to the top, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a very difficult situation. Us on planet Earth, we have never seen anything like this, especially in our time. I mean, I don't, my parents never saw anything like this. There's obviously been bumps and blips along the way. Um, but nothing to the point where, you know, the world is shut down legitimately. I think today I just got the notification. Yesterday was California as of recording. Today was New York, which probably means New York City or New Jersey is right behind. And then the rest of the country, I mean, California, New York, they pretty much uh, and then Texas, right? They run they run a lot of this stuff here. So once those shut down, it's uh, usually just kind of a domino effect. And hopefully, again, that means in two weeks, three weeks everything is starting to get back to normal a little bit and we can start doing that. But it's actually funny you brought that up. I think this Monday. I got the notification for the calendar invite and I was just like, these don't exist anymore. I'm going to turn this yeah. off. Mar I think the, the, the one that, that really got me was March Madness starts this Thursday. And I was just like, oh, Damn. yeah, oh, it got me. Rub yeah. It in your face. yeah, exactly. Right. But no, and I love that calendar. I, I literally integrated into my Google calendar. So I see, okay, am I going to New York? Am I doing something for a meeting? Let's click this. Let's see. Okay. There's, a, I'll get into the city three hours early so I can do this, this, and this, and then do what I need to do or, 
I'll stay late so I can go to here as well. So I thoroughly in love with you, love what you guys are doing and how you're doing it. I always thought it was cool. And so we have the community, we have the events and now it's a, your words, not mine, a full service creative sports and entertainment agency. So what exactly does that mean and how, I mean, again, right now is, it is what it is, but moving forward, what is the goal and, and what exactly does that mean and how are you guys going to fulfill that? Yeah, absolutely. So we look at it as like an ecosystem. So you have sports biz group, right? And that's like the center. That's like the mothership, right? And then there's different branches. So we have sports biz events, sports biz careers. So we curate jobs, sports biz live. We're live streaming sports biz news. We're curating news, uh, sports biz pod. We just launched the podcast. So keep on going on with that, but it's this ecosystem that, you know, sports biz community, all of it comes together. They all can operate on their own, but they all support each other. You know, we're doing an event, we're live streaming it and it's turning into news at the same time. And um, from all these relationships and ecosystem, you know, the, the direction we've headed is kind of making it a creative agency where we have all these connections to brands, to athletes, to venues, to speakers, to the industry, to all that. So, we felt that that was the best route that we can take for our vision to um, essentially connect the dots. You know, it's kind of a media aspect, but what we're looking to do is really get more into like, how do we leverage these relationships that we've built from these events with a lot of these athletes or big speakers and find what their problems are and help, you know, be creative and, and find ways to plug them into our ecosystem or come up with a new campaign, um, you know, to, to kind of fill their, you know, their needs or the problems. So, um, yeah, so where it's heading is like we, we built the ecosystem. We're still building the foundation. It's not where, uh, we're, we're, it's not where I want it to be yet. Um, we're continuing to build it. And like, you know, you're a great testimonial of like, I think a success story of it where it's like helped you save time from the calendar, help you save money, maybe from some of these events and whatnot that we give free resources or discounts. So we, we're just kind of strengthening our value proposition, getting our systems down. We have newsletters. We're just like building that foundation. But then once it gets to it, we're looking to potentially launch an app um, that can really even strengthen what we're doing. Um, Heart back in onto the live streaming component. Even um, we're looking to potentially do like a 24 hour live stream um, to help raise awareness and funds for the coronavirus. So we're testing these things that essentially we want to be uh, a provider and uh, a thought leader in sports business, news, events, all that. So if we can do that on a live, almost a TV channel. So um, once it gets to that, we're kind of strengthening our value proposition to continue to build um, and then invest into like the future of whether it's an app and we can provide some type of uh, subscription service that um, the value that you're already getting for free, we're still going to provide that. But we're, what we're offering for a paid membership, it's going to be something that's like a no brainer. Um, so we have a lot of really interesting ideas and a tech angle that we're looking to do. This is essentially our approach is we're going to build this as a sports agency, but it's like a tech startup and that's kind of the, the the approach we're taking with it so um innovate get smart people around it launch new products and, and whatnot but um yeah that's kind of where we're going where we built this ecosystem and we can now um, launch really new innovative tech products or help athletes or relaunch a fan plan type of um type of company so mm -hmm. Yeah, it's through building the ecosystem and it's an agency in its own where, you know, we work with brands, we work with athletes, we're helping facilitate sports marketing opportunities. So 
um, yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I, and and I think it is so cool. Again, as I've kind of seen it through for the last few months, and kind of how you've been building it. Also, shout out Andy for a little bit of the help that he's doing. He's a good dude. Um, and you know, just kind of figuring out and how you guys are able to continue to add on. And and as you said, like you had that event, it didn't go perfectly, so you took a second. Okay, reevaluated. What do we need to do? And then every event since then has been fantastic. Um, mm. You started the podcast, and and I, I, I do want to talk about that in a second. I mean, you, you've started the newsletter, the calendar. You have all these things. You have all these resources, and you're just continuing to build. Okay, we're good with the calendar. Perfect. What's the next resource we can add? What's the next resource we can add? What's the next resource we can add? And as you said, with the live stream and all that, I mean, you now have the opportunity. You can have a Apple TV channel, right? Just something on your right on the TV. You're going to have so much content built up through through the podcast, through you know going to Super Bowl week and interviewing all these athletes and doing all these things. Can pretty much have something on a 24-hour loop and just let people check out learn and see and, and gain those resources it's just something fun to do and, and another way to get your name out there so that that's always pretty cool as well so now i do want to talk to the the sports biz pod i was on it a couple weeks back thank you very much for having me i do appreciate it um but i like the way you do it i think it is really really cool how you have two episodes that get released a week. I apologize if I don't remember the exact day, so I'll let you you hit it there. But I know you have like interviews and information one day, and then you kind of have a rundown, as you like to call it, that goes out on Friday. So what happened this week? What's happening next week kind of stuff? And just figure out, okay, this, this, okay, all these deals that happened, all the news that happened, LeBron, J, Tom Brady signed with the Buccaneers, you know, like this huge, huge amount of information. So that way people get an understanding of what happened last week. Some of the events that are coming up, again, now there aren't any events, but some of the things that are happening in the near future, some of the jobs that are out there that people can take advantage of, that's one episode. And then another is where you have people like Marcus Colston and Matt Stover, two relatively famous NFL football players, and you get to talk to them about their story and what they're doing. So how did you come up with this idea to kind of have essentially two different podcasts and be like, well, it's all pertinent. All the information makes sense. Like some people listen to one, some people listen to others, some people listen to both episodes. How did you kind of come up with this idea for the podcast? Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to think. So I, I mean, podcasts for me and, and I'm probably similar with you, right? The whole reason why I wanted to do a podcast is um, to network with people. I think it's much easier for me to go up to Marcus Colson, who I've been able to get to know over, you know, the past few years, just networking and just like being in the right rooms. And then he's finally like, you know, yo, wait, who are you? What are you doing now? They're like, you know, interested. So it's a lot easier for me to go to somebody or, you know, like Marcus or cold outreach on LinkedIn or whatever it is. Hey, love to interview rather than, Hey, pitching them on some idea or like asking for their time. I'm still asking for their time, but I'm trying to be more constructive. And then in the meantime, when I'm interviewing them, I'm building rapport, getting to know actually what they want and what they're looking to do. And then it builds a whole network of people and you've leveraged it very well on your end too, with, you know, our athletes podcast. And then now this one as well. Um, it's just building that network of, uh, cool. Now I have you know, my deck of all these, you know, you know, views or kind of track the data behind it. But then here are all, all the people that I can, you know, reach out to and, and kind of push the needle or whatever it is. So that's really valuable to me. But um, yeah, the reason for to start the sports biz pod, it, it, it just it aligned really well with sports biz group that mother mothership ecosystem and was able to get the domain sportsbizpod.com. Um, but originally when I launched it, it was called sports biz live. So essentially all these live streams I was doing with, you know, Wayne Kimmel or um, the chief community officer at world surf league or someone like that, where I was like, I have all this content that I'm like live streaming. It was valuable. People can rewatch it on LinkedIn. How do I pull that into a uh, podcast 
and you know, early on, you still kind of give me some some shit for this. Is I don't have the best you know technology or production, um, which I'm trying to get better at. So some of those episodes are salvageable, some are not. Um, that's something I'm trying to improve on. But when I launched the podcast on Anchor, or whatever it was, um, I actually had somebody uh, Blue Wire Podcast Network reach out to me who was so um, coincidentally in the Slack group. So I wasn't I wasn't sure that he was in that, but I launched it. I was like, "Hey guys, launch this podcast." There's a podcast channel in the Slack, and uh, he, he reached out to me. He's like, "Hey Nick, like you should look into what we're doing with Blue Wire." And I was like, "Wait, that's a good idea." So they're a network of about eighty to ninety podcasters and they cover from you know um golden state warriors banter or you know fantasy sports or golf and they have different personalities that that kind of um produces podcasts so they're the network they produce it they facilitate brand deals and he goes you know why don't we why don't we team up on this you'll be the first sports business podcast and i was like would love to so um we we signed a one-year deal and and um kind of told him about some of the you know, their team about the direction of the podcast, why I wanted to do it. And um, it kind of just came natural or like, I didn't have, I didn't really have that in mind initially that like an interview on Tuesday and then the rundown on Friday. But um, once I was started working with Blue Wire, they kind of really pushed me to be like, all right, this is how you kind of the content direction. You have two episodes per week. And I got to, I kind of started thinking, all right, maybe this is the best way to do it. I can interview an athlete and you can watch that any day and it wouldn't matter. But then uh, on Friday, it's very like up to date with what is going on. Um, so yeah, we're just kind of, you know, I try not to spread myself too thin. I do that a lot. Um, but kind of seeing where it's like the sports biz rundown, that podcast goes out with this newsletter, which is in line with all the sports biz events, sports biz news, sports biz careers that we're already curating. So it's just a recap every week. Um, but yeah, it's been really exciting. I, um, let's see, we're episode, we're releasing episode 11 today. Um, and was able to get some really good people. Like, uh, so far we've released interviews with Marcus Colston, 10 time NFL veteran, Matt Stover, 18 time NFL veteran. We did a live event, um, at the Microsoft center. Um, I think you were at that. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, so we had Wayne Kimmel, David Meltzer, Colette Smith, uh, fielding Jameson. Um, that was a live streamed event. So that was like the first time that we were able to like in real time live stream it, then take it to a podcast. Um, you know, had Isaiah Kazavetsky, eight, uh, eight-time NFL veteran, uh, Darren K. Roberts, former NFL coach. And, um, yeah, we're just building off that. And we interview athletes, entrepreneurs, thought leaders in sports on Tuesday. And then on Friday, it goes with the rundown. So it's been really fun. Um, I'm, I'm competitive. I like building. I like seeing the progression. So it's cool to sit back and be like, look at all the people that I've been able to interview so far. And, you know, it's a slow, slow-growing, like, audience where um, – the, the early fans right now that listen to it and subscribe, they're really like strong, which I'm excited about because once it gets bigger, it's going to hopefully take off a little bit more, but so far it's been successful. And I'm like, it's kind of a game where it's like, all right, who can I get on next? And you know, you probably get the same enjoyment from that. So. 100% man. Now this is my favorite thing I get to do and get to talk to people like you about what you do. I think it is, is, is important because I want to share your story because I've kind of, I've seen a big chunk of it at this point and uh, I think people can learn a lot from it. So that's always something, um, you know, two of the things I always like to try and make sure that I get out of doing these interviews is how'd you break in and what have you done to make sure you take it to the top? And I don't have to really ask either of those questions directly. Uh, I knew it would kind of just come out and you did a great job at that. So I really do appreciate it. So that's a lot about sport biz group. And I, I love it again. Like I try and go to all the events. I 
try and pay attention to all the content. I get the newsletter. I do everything that I can there. Um, but you also recently became the, uh, what is it, the program director, if I'm not mistaken, of Manhattan Sports Business Academy, which I think is very, very cool. Very prestigious sounding too. I think kind of nice, right? It is. Um, so uh, a couple minutes on that, man. Like, what is it? And, and what are you guys doing to help high school kids, college kids, and career changers? Absolutely. Yeah. So Manhattan Sports Business Academy, we're really excited to be part of this. And it's um, eight week summer immersion program for top college students that want to break into sports. So um, it's been doing since 2012. And, and what, what we do is we find the best talent. We have thousands of people that apply. We recruit across all the campuses, mostly domestically in the United States. We have people in, you know, um, UK, Netherlands, uh, uh, other areas. So we find the best college students that have some sports experience, have that drive, um, understand networking, all what it goes into it. And then we pair them with an internship. So we find people, what, are, what kind of route are they looking to take into industry, PR, athlete representation. We have this huge database and uh, partners of uh, job providers. So we make sure they get an internship placement. So we've had a hundred percent internship placement um, in years past. And we do our best with what's available with what your skill set is and play matchmaker. It might not be the perfect internship, but we're going to get you something that you'll learn a lot from. And then another aspect is the mentor. So we pair you with at least three mentors, someone like yourself, um, you know, a, a younger professional that, you know, has seen some things, but still has a good amount of experience. Someone with um, maybe 10, 15 plus years of experience, I would say a veteran, and then someone that's an alumni of Manhattan Sports Academy. And then throughout the whole um, summer, there's workshops carried, there's speaker series, we go to Madison Square Garden and tour it, we'll go on a Yankees game. And like, it's just curated for the whole eight weeks. So it's so jam packed that by the end of it, we hope that it's the most fun summer you've had, but one of the most challenging at the same time. And it's really cool to see the progression of someone that's, you know, what we're excited about is like, all right, the people that we're bringing on to this academy for the summer, where are they going to be in five years? And I might be working for them. And, and that's kind of like the mindset and that's inspiring. So, um, you know, Ben Sterner, he's the founder of it. He, he's also the founder of Leverage Agency. They do sponsorship and things like that. I've known Ben for, for a little while and, um, he, uh, he, he, he gave me the call and he, he's been seeing what we've been doing. And I've invited uh, Manhattan Sports Business Academy actually to that event um, at WeWork. Um, so most of the, the students there, they got there early. Some of them were volunteering. So that was a lot of case studies, which kind of subsequently kind of got me the job for this. But um, what's really exciting about Manhattan Sports Business Academy is that um, I have a lot of room for creativity. What I'm already built with Sports Biz Group, I can really turn key and allocate resources, energy, into finding the right applicants, placing people in jobs. And then once the summer goes around, hopefully, you know, we're still planning on having this all come together, monitoring the whole coronavirus very closely. But putting on events, I wouldn't say it's easy, but we can we can turn that on and that programming will come naturally. So um, that's been really amazing. It's a, a unique opportunity that, that I've been working really hard on the past few weeks on finding the best students, getting them in, um, then placing them. So um, yeah, really looking forward to it and, and just, you know, um, kickstarting the careers for a lot of people in the sports industry and then just being a resource and, you know, being, uh, you know, connected with them for, mm. for the rest of their career. And then with, I mean, I think it's a really cool 
program, um, the capabilities that, you know, you have told me about. And of course, you know, I want to help in any way, shape or form. I think, again, anything that you do is awesome. If it's with one group or the other, I don't care. Um, you know, I'm interested in helping. And, and I guess on that Venn diagram, you know, what, what is that crossover between Sport Biz Group? And I understand, you know, you said there's turnkey things that you can turn on for sport, uh, um, from Sport Biz Group to the Manhattan Sports Business Academy. But there is, I know you think of it at least, there is some sort of layover. So what what exactly is that and how can you utilize both at the same time to really create something even more powerful? Yeah, absolutely. So like, especially with what we've been doing at sports biz group, I was kind of very transparent with going into this. I like, we built a lot of momentum and we have obligations of producing podcasts, newsletters, some of these events we do, we can, we can plan as we go, but what's been unique is like, you know, we were able to just like turn that into right. Every newsletter that we go out for the most part, we're always plugging in Manhattan sports business Academy. Um, same thing with the, the podcast. And then through this event that we did in January, the esports event, um, we were able to kind of um, help like announce that like, Hey, you know, Manhattan sports business Academy is what we're doing all that. Um, so that's kind of like the, the, the layover, um, you know, with Manhattan sports business Academy, it takes a lot of time, especially with these, first few months of getting off the ground and getting thrown the keys. It's really like starting a new business up, even though there's a lot of you know, track record and proven success. So, um, you know, the layover is just like, you know, keeping it separate in a way we have a lot of resources at, at our disposal that we can kind of funnel into getting people to apply or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, we, we keep it separate and, and we try to make Manhattan sports business Academy very exclusive. We have thousands of people that apply we whittle it down to 15 to 25 um, class so they get to know each other really well and we can really curate, you know, hand in hand the best possible opportunities for them. So, um, you know, when the summer comes around, we're hoping that, you know, we're optimistic, we're, we're proactive with what is going on. But when the summer comes around, it's going to be really exciting. We're going to tour all these places and, um, you know, making connections with, you know, college students that are coming up and they're going to be the future leaders. And then also the people that are already the leaders how do we kind of fill that void? And again, just going back to networking. Now Nick's going to know literally everybody. So I love it, man. <laughs> Good stuff. That's the goal. Awesome. All right. That's a, that's about it for me. I don't know. Do you have anything, any, any last words of wisdom, any nuggets you want to leave some people with? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of like the, the mindset of like, you know, doing whatever it takes, doing extra, like, especially in sports, you're going to be overworked, underpaid, um, complaining isn't going to help you, um, doing whatever the fuck it takes to get into the room, talk to the right person and going that extra mile. Like that's what you need to be focusing on. And too many people, um, you know, give up on the first attempt or, you know, I, I look at it, uh, the three door, um, concept. I, I think I, there's a book about it, right? You knock on the front, you knock on the front door. They might not answer. Uh, you go on the back door, you knock on the back door, they open it up and slam the door in your face. Your goal is to get in the house. Cool. There's always going to be a third door or some way you might have to dig a hole. You might have to climb on the roof and break in through the chimney. Like there's always a way to get in. Um, you just gotta be scrappier, do whatever it takes um, to be in the right rooms and talk to the right people and just be nice through a whole time. So it's a grind. Um, and, and just enjoying the process. Like it's not going to be fun all the times I've gotten, you know, kind of, you know, metaphorically punched in the face with some setbacks and struggles. And there's a lot of things I didn't even dive into, but just staying positive. And it's like the whole fun part is like building it where it's like here right now, this is grind time. I work pretty much all the time. I'm always thinking about work and in my sleep, it's tough to unplug, but 
got to love the process and just, just have that kind of Mamba mentality of like, Hey, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. Um, and, uh, just push it to limits and, and people are watching, people are recognizing that initiative and you will be rewarded for it. Um, people that give up early, people that cut corners, people that don't do what it's necessary. It, the, the, the truth comes out. Like we said, the cream always rises to the top. So I love it, man. Do whatever the hell it takes. Do whatever the fuck it takes. Those are Nick's words. Sorry um, if that's, uh, if, uh, you need to, I just said it. So it's cool. Whatever, uh, yeah. whatever. People, who, people, what are they going to do? Not listen yeah. anymore? That's on them. Um, <laughs> really appreciate it today. Uh, do whatever it takes. I love that. Also, just to make sure we are not advocating for breaking into people's houses. It is very clearly a metaphor. Absolutely not. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Yeah. Sincerely appreciate it. Good friend of mine, Nick Hayden, CEO of, uh, and founder of Sports Biz Group, as well as the program director at Manhattan Sports Business Academy. Academy. Thank you so much, Nick. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Connect with me on LinkedIn, follow me on Instagram at Nick P Hayden or at sports biz group. So connect with me, send me a message. Let's connect. Love it. Thanks, man. Cheers. Thanks, Mike. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Nick Hayden. Our conversation was great. I hope you enjoyed it. He is uh, he's a smart dude. You can learn a lot from him. I always make sure that there's something that everyone can learn from within these episodes through these stories, which is how I learn the best as well. So I hope you guys get a little something out of it. Make sure to go follow Nick on all of the possible socials. Everything is in the show notes. If you could, please give us a five-star review on Google, Amazon, Facebook, wherever the heck you put your reviews. It would be super, super grateful um, to help us. So maybe one day I can get paid to do this. That's my dream job if I ever got one. And um, yeah, really appreciate you giving me some of your time. It's the only thing we don't get more of. So I hope you make it a wonderful day.